so I am going to do a voice recording um, about summarizing all of my journals and referencing my journals. Um, I'm also adding a reference page with like a bunch of images and stuff as well. So that's going to be added um, in addition to this recording. This is kind of just the summary of everything. So I'm going to start... So my first journal was the, I wrote them on the first uh, day of the lecture, so it was the first ever one, so it was kind of more of the introduction of the of the class, um, so we went over the rubric and everything, and we also did um, the questionnaire, so it was like the whole bunch of questions about what you remembered or what you knew um, already regarding indigenous peoples and their practices and what they do and stuff like that and information about it. Um, I knew pretty much the very, very bare minimum. Um, I knew about residential schools and I knew about Orange Shirt Day um, and I knew why we wore Orange Shirt Day and what residential schools happened. But growing up going to a Catholic school, the horse, the whole story wasn't really told to me. Um, they never really addressed it. It was kind of more of, yeah, you wear this shirt because you're supporting indigenous people. And then kind of you wore it for a day. But we never really talked about it. Um, I thought as um, a non-indigenous person, I knew a little bit, like a little bit more than I actually did. Like, especially with the... Um, with the questions really open up my eyes because I have a cousin who is um, Inuit and he exposed exposed me to a lot of those things and I am grateful for him teaching me that type of stuff but I knew just having one person in my life um, who knew about th those types of things it wholeheartedly um, and I appreciate him for that but I realized how it's even more important to learn more in depth about it because there's just so many things that went on and it's not just um, residential schools that people need to be made aware of, of what happened to um, indigenous people in the past. Um, we need, and that's why we need reconciliation because there are so many more things that we are not told or we are not taught happened. So I truly was grateful to actually be starting that class when I wrote that journal because I realized that I, I didn't know I knew barely anything and I, I was excited to learn about more because I should know what people that did to indigenous people and why they are looking for reconciliation with the Canadian government. So I'm going to be speaking about my second journal. So my second journal was after um, I attended the Indigenous, um, it was like the fair that we had where it was showing off all the different Indigenous communities. I watched the beginning um, and I was able to see also like the powwows and stuff like that. But the first beginning was when I first ever saw a drum circle um, in front of, in front of me, like, I never, ever, ever saw, like, a drum circle before, and it was super amazing, I was listening, he, ha the 
person who was leading it had a wonderful voice and I loved the beat of the drum and I brought it up in class um and then you were uh you were the one uh who actually was uh explained to me what he does in a drum circle and the meaning of it and which I just found super cool super amazing and beautiful was that um he the person who is leading it will turn to every cardinal sign of like so north east west and south um and say the same things to each of the card each of the cardinal like um signs which is super cool super interesting and I never knew that that was something that they did and it was um amazing that I got to experience that and see have like a little peek into indigenous culture and understand why they do things um I find it super interesting super amazing uh, this was also when there was a reading um, about the Caledonia uh, reclamation um, that was about the Six Nations. And that was the first everything other than the um, uh, schools, like residential schools, that I learned about. Um, and I wanted to bring it up because um, I know that Grand River, um, that kind of territory with the um, oil pipelines have been in the news so I kind of knew about it but not really but after reading and learning that um indigenous people for like the longest time were unable to be able to get lawyers to defend their property they had to go through Indian affairs and uh, Indian affairs like most of the time um wouldn't allow them to get that it allowed for non-indigenous development to proceed along the Grand River and is how it just opened my eyes i was like how is it not fair that someone couldn't get a lawyer and they have to ask these other people to be able to protect their own land it just i can't believe that that was something that was happening and i really opened my eyes made me understand what was going on um and there was like multiple raids as well on protesters and all of these things and to know that it was happening in my own province like not too far where my where my like a lot of my family live it was something that was super eye-opening and it was one of the first real like things that I completely understood and I completely read about indigenous peoples um so I wanted to touch on that as well in my journal of that um so yeah that's kind of my second journal that I wrote about um and learn about the history of uh, Grand River Territory and all of that stuff um, and why it is so important for Indigenous peoples and how non-Indigenous people don't take into account Indigenous peoples and I think that is why reconciliation needs to happen but that also understanding where Indigenous people are coming from and, and understanding why the land is so important should be how should be um fundamental for non-indigenous people so that they they really understand and obviously like they can't put themselves in other people's shoes but to really understand why this is important for them and the reason why indigenous people want to keep their land because they have been put down into such small percentages of land that used to be theirs that they need to be able to comprehend that so that this, these things don't happen 
anymore. So um, after that, it was my third journal, which was the weekend going into Thanksgiving. So we were going over the Thanksgiving address and I was really happy that we went over it as a class and we went down to went together and thanked every um, thing every other thing and it was my first glimpse into the spiritual side of um indigenous people and like how especially the six nations people because that is where the thanksgiving address is from and it truly brought me to see that they are thinking everything in mother nature um and everything in mother in the nature has a purpose and it wholeheartedly like moved me because it was so amazing that they have thought of everything that I thought about the wind it was just even things that you wouldn't normally and we did discuss this in class how things you wouldn't normally uh think about or normally think for example the wind um you would never actually think about it as well as even medicine herbs because you don't think about medicine herbs when you take a Tylenol or um an aspirin you don't remember that it was from a oak tree um you you never make that especially i I never made that connection in in my head so it was super super interesting um about being able to think everything and how thanksgiving is important but also hearing more of the indigenous aspect of thanksgiving because growing up catholic i never was taught what it meant for indigenous people um what what it meant for them for thanksgiving it was just kind of like a thing that i sat down with my family i pumpkin pie and turkey and we like prayed but that was kind of (laughs) it we never really actually were able to process and think about each thing that we should be thankful for in nature and how it's so important to indigenous people um so i fun fact i'm kind of talking about my my own experience here but that's kind of what the journal is anyway sorry (laughs) making excuses here but um i how i decided to uh bring it up and make my my parents me and my parents read the thanksgiving address before we ate our food on thanksgiving because i thought it was extremely important to thank everything because thanksgiving is never really a holiday that you think about you kind of just eat food um, you know that you have to be thankful for stuff, but you never really do, like, in my family anyways, I never really did, um, understand, like, the, gra- or grasp what it was important, so I truly just made them read <laughs> the Thanksgiving address so that we can think about everything that nature does for us and be thankful for that, um, because especially in covid we have not been very thankful as a family <laughs> for nature. We have a little bit on edge. So I am very happy that I was able to do that um, in my Thanksgiving address um, with my little family. I thought it was fun. Um, I appreciate I was so happy that I was able to have like a little thing that we can go over together because it truly, um, y- you don't think about all the things that nature does for you, like the the moon, the wind, the medicine herbs, all those things. So I wanted to make sure that everybody was aware, at least for a day, to be thankful. Alrighty, so I'm going to be speaking about my fourth journal, which had the reading from 
Psychology uh, Canada. It was a Canadian Journal of School Psychology. That's what it was. Um, on the impact on Aboriginal students um, regarding residential schools. So this paper was published by uh, Rosemary Barnes. Um, and I'm also going to explain just because this was the first real reading of residential schools and what happened in residential schools. Um, like I said, I grew up Catholic, so a lot of the time, um, the that uh, Indigenous peoples, their issues and what happened to them in their history was not very much told. It was kind of just glossed over. Um, it was very... I didn't receive the proper information to really understand why um, Indigenous people want truth and reconciliation as well as what actually happened in our past and what non-Indigenous people have done to them and why we need to understand them and support them rather than demonize them. So I was reading, this was the reading, um, I wanted to just start off with a uh, all the different things that were inadequate in residential schools, including curriculum, um, having parents involved, like the parents were not involved in the child's education, and as well as the racism and the lack of budget, which forced um, Indigenous students to do tasks to do the upkeep around um the building so had to do janitorial duties and cooking and cleaning stuff like that uh and how much money and they how they only the facilities received like $550 to $642 per capita um and s the school principal made many accommodations because of the limited resources um and how the staffing was also inadequate um as well as the parents' involvement, how parents were actually discouraged to be involved in the students' um, learning because the curriculum was uh, instructions f of students from white European English or French-speaking backgrounds, and there was no um, cultural backgrounds for Aboriginal students, which made it difficult for the children to learn. Um, the poor quality of like the learning in the classroom um, showed low performance and uh, placed s Aboriginal children at risk of poor academic achievement and self-esteem um, because of these things. So these kids are just being told that they're not good enough, but they're being put in an atmosphere of things that they don't know, um, it, like mostly European Eurocentric ideals and subjects which they have not grown up on that they didn't know and they were just kind of thrown into these things um which is absolutely terrible um for most of history like the people were unqualified um and the staffing was unqualified and they were uh never really like had proper teaching assistants or teachers or like even like mental health staff like that was not not even existent for people in residential schools um 
as well as the parent involvement if parents wanted to have um be involved in uh their children's care and education like they schools often located children far away so that that didn't happen and so that racism the school ecology and and racism could thrive in these places um and do terrible psychological damage on these kids who now grow grew into adults and have only and with severe trauma and only know degrade self-image and then grow a dependence on multiple on so many on like drugs or just not knowing how to take care of other people because they were just put down their whole childhood and then on top of that they didn't let them speak in their aboriginal language like they prevented that so that when these children became adults they could not pass down their traditions to the younger generation which is absolutely so important for just a culture to thrive and make you feel together with your um with other people um from your culture which is just absolutely okay like it not okay it is absolutely just full on like genocide that they were trying to do they were trying to close it down and it was just the extent that it went to like yeah I, I knew the stories before but like I said it was very glossed over this just just like pierced through my my brain when I was reading this that this was something that was happening in our country and that first of all the catholic church so the people that I looked up to as a kid um not so much anymore obviously but did and that they have not apologized for which is absolutely not okay and the government apologized but didn't do it properly it was very performative in my opinion i was looking into it and i i believe that they haven't they said they're sorry but they didn't put any action into their apology and i believe i'm a true believer of you can say you're sorry but if you don't back it up with your actions which they haven't then it doesn't mean anything Alrighty, so this is journal number five. So I'm going to be speaking about um, Indian whores. So that's kind of what I'm going to be going up about. Um, and most of all, Saul's story in Indian horse because I it really resonated with me because I really wanted to read it in the 12th grade. We were supposed to read it um, in the 12th grade. Uh, but unfortunately, my teacher cut it out because of online learning. Um, so we were going to after the March break, but Miss COVID struck and I 100%, she would not allow us to read it. We had to do something else. Um, we had a different assignment, which was super annoying. I was super disappointed because I really wanted to read this, but you had the movie on there with a bunch of other readings. So I ended up watching the movie and I wanted to write my journal about it because it is a wonderful movie and I love the contrast between sports um, as a coping mechanism for Saul in the movie because I'm also an athlete so I 100% relate to this um, using your sport as a coping mechanism to go through your so like your traumas and stuff like that so I just it was just such a sympathetic character and I really just wanted to write my journal about it because it 
was awesome. It also helped me visualize all of the atrocities that happened in um, residential schools, especially with people of the Catholic faith, faith um, like nuns and priests, but also having that that one support figure, Father Le Boutier, um, in the uh, in the book because he always like was protective of him of Saul, um, and was there for Saul, and was the one who encouraged him to start in skate, and, um, using that sport to become the best person that he was able to come through, and after losing his grandmother, his parents, as well as his friend Benjamin, um, and then being sent off to this awful place where he was forced to do, um, labor work at an early age, uh, and how his parents were also alcoholics, um, so it just, a hundred percent, like, it just resonated with me as a wonderful, um, story that we could, that I was able to watch and learn about and, uh, be able to gain respect, especially for this movie. Um, and the, the writer of Indian Horse, I still have not gotten to reading the book, but, like, I want to so badly after watching the movie because I just want to learn even more about it, uh. I completely relate to the character of Saul and then being able to completely understand um I can't obviously can't understand but I do understand the side of like the sports and everything and I super am so grateful that I was able that you added it on here um to be a part of the reading um because it 100% helped me um really become like understand 100% and get the visual of uh residential schools in my brain so I really know what really happened and then put a face and humanize um the experience because you can read about the experiences and what happened but actually putting a face and getting a storyline um and relating to a character in a story about it, it really really gets to you more I feel so it was something that I really super enjoyed and really appreciated um being able to watch um and you included it in the readings and stuff so i that's why i wanted to make my fifth journal about that so yeah <laughs> Alrighty, so we're at journal number six so in this journal we talked about well in this lecture we talked about the indian act and how it's a um is a misconception that the indian act protects indigenous people uh you had explained that most of the time the Indian Act only helps indigenous people if there is something benefiting them. I was thinking long and hard about this and I realized that the position of privilege that I am in when I don't need to um, go to a board to advocate for my rights um, and stuff like that because most of the time um, when I want to be able to move or anything like that I just you just have to do a bunch of paperwork but like it's not too much of a thing you sell your house and you move on but obviously the Indian Act um that that's not really what they do they uh kind of prevent um they have preventative measures in and it's extremely um limiting and doesn't really allow indigenous people to do what they have to do um to be able to move on which is super upsetting um i had no idea that this was it was this is what was going on um with the indian act i thought uh personally that they were there to help 
Um, but it was very much not something that uh, was there to be a resource to Indigenous people. It, it was honestly more of a hindrance than anything good, in my opinion. Uh, I would also like to state that the fact that it is a cor- that is very corrupt and that the majority of jobs uh, don't protect them and don't protect Indigenous people, but also a lot of the positions um, for a really long time weren't held by Indigenous people. It was non-Indigenous people who were in charge of Indigenous rights, which is ex- doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and I believe it was kind of more of a performative act for um, the government to kind of show off that they are doing something to protect indigenous people but clearly they weren't um it wasn't something that they wanted to do or they just did it as a a take at face value so people who um, aren't indigenous can be like look they're doing something when clearly they weren't doing anything at all and it's not something that would help so it it all really opened my eyes. I had no idea that the Indigenous uh, Act was um, something that made Indigenous people uh, so much more, like, make their lives so much more difficult and make everything so much more of a process for them. So I am really glad I learned about that, and it was a great discussion that we had in class about it. Um regarding that and it was a really good way that you put it that explanation so it got was very clear in my head that it was not something um that indigenous people are like to use or like to have um and getting first accounts from you um especially was helpful so that i could understand why the indian act is not something is more of a hindrance than good for indigenous people. Alrighty, so we are on the home stretch of my summary of my journals. This is going to be journal seven out of nine. So, um, I am here to talk about, this was with the readings regarding the land claims. Um, I really just didn't know what land land claims were. Um, I I wasn't sure what they entailed and what they meant. Um, I knew that the government uh, assigned lands to indigenous people, but it was very small in proportion to what they had because obviously they had the whole country um is their land and we're on stolen land but i didn't know the extent of how many different tribes how many different land claims are going on um and i just getting a visual visual representation from the treaties and uh comprehensive uh land claims in canada was really just um it was really cool because i didn't i never saw how many there were it it was there's just so many um so i was i was looking in on the maps trying to understand and i really understood the definition 
in the glossary of what a comprehensive land claim was, which, quote, Comprehensive land claims are based on assertion of continuing Aboriginal rights and and claims to the land that have not been dealt with by a treaty or other means. So, um, I knew that there were treaties to give lands, but these claims are the ones of Aboriginal groups that uh, they were not that were not included, and they should be included because most of the time. These are lands that Aboriginal pe- Aboriginal people and Native people, Inuit, Métis people, all use um, to be able to to fish and use the resources there. Um, I also wanted to understand a little bit more about treaties because I knew what they did, and we did have discussions in class about what treaties were, and it clarified it for me. Um, the fact that treaties. Um, are understood by the government of Canada in courts and is an agreement between the crown and a specific group of people um, like the First Nation treaties where um, a lot of the land uh, in Ontario it was land in Ontario but there still are a lot of places where indigenous people have sacred um, land there or land that they use resources um, have not been addressed nor were ever um uh like given to them which is super just disheartening and why i believe that um understanding the past of um indigenous people will especially as a non-indigenous person understanding their past and their history will make it clear as how um why they want to claim their these lands which they rightfully should have and own Alrighty, so this is uh journal number eight and this is anishinaabe ways of learning um and the store in stories dreams and ceremonies so this was also in relation to the eurocentric ideals and the eurocentric system that our education system is under so you really le- just learn um what you like what europeans believe are is important um but there is a lot of other ways of learning a lot of, a lot of other ways to educate people and a lot of different aspects of education um and this is a part of the reading that i really enjoyed and i wanted to write in a journal about so i learned that um the way of learning is learning by doing so before school aboriginal children were educated um in a holistic way the traditional way of um all aspects of person in life and in relation to the word of her or him so they get to experience it's more of like a hands-on um human teachers function less as like uh, demonstrators of knowledge and more facilitators of the learning process um, and I believe this is what I kind of see here is the relative children elders or spiritual leaders may also serve as teachers for the uh, Anishinaabe. Anishinaabe um, the elders focused on learning from one's experience through respectful and patient observation according to J.E. Kutcher so it was really just 
letting kids explore instead of just handing them the information and being like this is correct it's more like letting children learn what is right and wrong which i suit like i am 100 percent behind especially um having more of a hands-on approach to learning is something that i really appreciate and also the storytelling aspect being able to have real life um experiences or have first-hand experiences from stories um and they were because they were a key component of passing knowledge um and expressing Anishinaabe worldview um, through community history, treaties, and rights. So I think that that would also be a main component in that because they could allow them to relate to characters because stories and movies um, are is something that I can relate to as well, being able to find someone, a real person, uh, who have emotions just like you and be able to relate and learn through stories and real world applications. And finally, uh, the dreaming. Dreaming I found super interesting because I never really thought about dreams being a way of um, communicating, communicating with the spiritual world. I never thought about something like that, but it is something um, that... Uh, the Anishinaabe people and indigenous people um, from the Six Nations uh, like to do, which is super cool. I never thought about it, and that's why dream catchers, like, I knew that dream catchers were something um, that uh, na- uh, natives people made, but I didn't know what the purpose were was for um, dream catchers, so that was super interesting, and I learned what dream catchers are for to catch the spiritual um uh, messages coming through dreams which i found super ex- uh super interesting super cool um and then also the ceremonies i never really experienced a real life uh ceremony but it's what i read from here it's just a source of knowledge it's just how they express their like spiritual um knowledge and power um, in forms of uh, doing ceremonies together as a community so that they can educate everyone and the elders can have a chance to communicate the message um, to everybody who who lives in the community, which is also super interesting. I'm not a very spiritual person, but this made me reflect on what is happening, what my I believe is spiritual and what I even consider um, how I learn about my spirituality. So this was super fun. I it's such a different way of what I was raised, and it was great to see another point of view um, demonstrated in this paper. It was wonderful. Alrighty, so we are at journal number nine. Um, so we are going to be talking about a journal that I wrote about the UN Declaration and the obstacles that indigenous people still have to overcome um even though the united nations declared their rights um as an instrument in a major turning uh as an instrument of uh remedial protection so the rights include human rights they're all on the the un indigenous rights they they had human rights over the whole united nations but 
it's still it's just a first step like it's still something that needs to be policed because political will is still very low like like i said they're willing to apologize but they're not putting action like where they're like action where their mouth is where their words are because there are still so many things like the pipeline in canada and murdered and missing indigenous women um that aren't being addressed and aren't being solved like there are still so many women going missing every single day and nothing is being done about it we're just letting them get murdered and letting them go missing and and we're not finding a solution we're not finding who's doing this and we need to also look at our rcmp force to see what is going on because indigenous people have the right and should not be harmed based on their race because that is genocide and genocide is happening in this country and it's not something that we need to just sit back and say oh well because it's something that that is happening and affecting so many women and as a female like it hurts me that the fact that um, uh, another woman is being uh beaten murdered taken away from their family on a basis that they're a female and that they're also indigenous it it's absolutely sickening and while we while canadians and the canadian government is expressing concern over this there's no action i this has been a story ever since i've been ever since i was a kid and there hasn't been any real resolution and we there needs to be more push towards everything um towards being able to fix this because also with the pipeline as well as in Nova Scotia with the fishing plants like people are being killed on the basis that they're indigenous and they're just trying to live their lives they're just trying to live on the land that they have always owned but are being murdered because they're just living their lives because they are existent like because they are indigenous like that is absolutely not what should be happening that is absolutely unacceptable and the fact that there is no investigation like there's investigations but there has been no resolutions or no plans of action or no money funded into these types of things just some prayers or just some oh that's that's a shame no yes it's a shame i'm like it's sad that it's happening but don't just sit there and be useless and be like oh that sucks that that's absolutely not something that should happen it, there should be action right away because people are dying canadians are dying indigenous people are dying and they should be honored and they should be have justice justice that's the least that they that anybody could do for these people i hope that you enjoyed the summary of all of my journals these were every journal that i wrote in the first semester regarding readings as well as lectures um and trying to see what true what needs to happen for reconciliation in canada for indigenous people so that those that was my summary um like i said i'm adding a reference it's going to be a document added with pictures and other things like that um as a reference page uh as requested 
in the uh, pay, uh, in the assignment uh, document. So I will do that as well. Thank you. Have a nice rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this little recording. And yeah. <laughs>